The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Hey guys, um, um everything okay on your end? Uh, wow, it's incredible. It's 2022, this dude's got. Look at this guy; he's got a working microphone. It's awesome. Wow! Awesome. What did you do, Chris? Chris so you, proud of you, buddy. Yeah, you went. You went where to? Uh, to to a studio somewhere. You rented studio time to talk to us today. Well, you know, the main thing is that I'm not recording anymore from the hot tub. Are you okay. in a boat under the water, though? You know, in a submarine. It does sound a bit submariney. Uh, does it sound a bit submariney? Well, it sounds like you're because... in. A, it sounds like you're in an underground bunker, possibly with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's well. It's funny you mentioned a that. nautical Adolf Hitler. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because actually, you know, actually, what? Yeah, finish that sentence. Did, did you get hung up on the joke there? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I was underwater again. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. As always, this show is brought to you by Manscaped. Use the promo code Five RSN. Use and you get twenty percent off your entire order and free shipping. I forgot that last time. Why wouldn't you use the promo code 5RSN? And of course, betteredge.com slash five reasons. Go to Better Edge and you get a $25 sign up bonus. And as always, prize picks. 
Use the promo code five F I V E and you get a one hundred dollar sign up bonus for a hundred dollars deposited. Now, a lot of people use these these sign up bonuses to entice you, and then you got to roll over roll it over about a thousand times, which means you got to bet about fifty thousand dollars to get your hundred dollars back. No, not price picks. You bet through it once and you get the hundred dollars. So in, essentially, they're giving you a hundred dollars for free. People, take it. Promo code five F I V E. All right. Uh, let's use this show. We're going to talk about the Jets, of course, in this show. But I, I want to do a quick assessment on the on the first four games and on the roster on everything we've talked about. But something has come to light. Um, Chris, if you can speak into the microphone and it's working, uh, Joe Burrow made a, a revealed something that that everybody's finding interesting, except um, nobody is finding it interesting. Is he the replacement for the uh, for the girl in House of the Dragon? See, that would like, make a lot of sense. You know, they got rid of the really good character, the only redeeming character, and just replaced it with a really shit actress. Are they is is it now Joe Burrow's turn to come in and play her? To be fair, well, Damon Targaryen is the best actor on the show. No, well, depending Matt, Matt depending Smith. on the game, Matt depending on the game, Joe Burrow might actually believe he is in House of the Dragon, uh, <laughs> according to uh, his own admission, because. He admitted on Colin Coward that he uh, that he's had several games where he couldn't remember quote and, and this is a quote I couldn't remember the second half or I couldn't really remember anything he couldn't really remember anything after a certain hit um, so he's blacked out of several games and you know he just kind of excuses like you know this is football you get hit and, you know no he said no long lasting effects you know no long lasting effects <laughs> yeah. Just, just, you know, games that he blacked out of, blacked out the second half. And I think that that's massively interesting. It's, it's, it's an astonishing uh, admission from the third most sacked quarterback since he was drafted. You know, he was, he's, he's taken the third most sacks in the NFL since he was drafted. And both guys who took more sacks have played more games than he has. And for him to sit here and say that, yeah, you know, I've taken concussions. I've gone back in the game. uh, I blacked out several times. Um, You know, I I just don't understand how that doesn't trigger an even more uh, significant investigation by the NFLPA into the handling of concussions uh, by the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't know how that doesn't trigger even more backlash against Zach Taylor, uh, you know, for a- allowing him to go back in the games and just not being sensitive. Because, hey, listen, let's be honest for a second here. If you can't remember the second half of a game or you can't remember anything that happened after a certain point in the game, his assistant coaches know that. Yes. Because of the following week. Because, you know, they're going – recall is a thing right? Recall for these quarterbacks is a thing. They're talking to this player about, you know, what did you see on this player? What did you see on that play? And he's like, I don't remember jack shit, you know? Yeah. And, and so they know. And let me say, and let me say, uh, as somebody on this show, I don't know if Simon's had a concussion. I've had three. I was hospitalized I for one. Uh, have you had one, Simon? I haven't. No. Okay. I've had three. I was hospitalized for one. All of that is foreign to me like blacking out, not knowing everything, not knowing anything that happened afterwards. No, like I've lost like patches of memory. Like I didn't know around when the event happened, like what I actually did or what happened. But, you know, I didn't completely black out and not know of entire games or entire halves. 
And I had three. When I read that, it made me think, hey, maybe I didn't have a concussion. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. That that was a weird admission. Hopefully the, the energy in the media is the same as it has been for, for Tuatunga Vailoa. Can I just um can I just ask though? Because I've just just before we started the recording, I listened to the the interview with Colin Cowherd. Now I may have missed it, but I, I don't believe he ever said when these had happened. I don't think at any point he mentioned he'd had them in the NFL necessarily. He didn't say he hadn't had them in the NFL, but it could, I mean, this could have been LSU. This could have been Ohio state. I didn't recall any mention that it happened whilst at the Bengals. Well, the, the, the interesting thing there is that as he continued on, uh, you know, in terms of context, he did talk about, I mean, he did talk about the rigors that are, you know, pretty, I don't know if they're unique to the NFL necessarily, but he talked about 300 pound men running 20 miles an hour. You know, you're talking about 300 pound men that if you're sure. talking about 20 miles an he hour, played in the LA, he did play it in the SEC, five. didn't he? I mean, he played in the yeah. SEC, but he didn't run. He, I mean, we're still talking about college football versus NFL. Three, sure. Three. Sure. But my, my the point is more about the talking about live in the NFL. Right? Sure. But the, 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 the point I'm making is that, you know, he, there is a potential that this could have happened at, at LSU and all we're doing is we're adding to the because we don't know the facts because he hasn't actually said it we're just adding to the whole kind of well it must be the Bengals and we must because we feel like we're pressured into you know Mike McDaniel's getting some shit so let's throw some shit at Zach Taylor and actually be much like what happened with Tua we don't really know all the details because he hasn't well that's but that but the thing is like how could you know any of it if there's no investigation but, yeah. but Joe you know, the, the NFLPA triggered an immediate investigation against the Miami Dolphins because of what happened uh, in the Buffalo game. Sure. With this admission, why would there not be an immediate investigation? Why would tell me that? Well, because nobody knows when it happened. So why would there be an investigation to something? Oh, that that's that's, that's what the LSU. investigation would be for. Is to find also, out this happened, happened. But how many? Like, I mean. Come on, let's be real. Every single player in the NFL is going to say I've had a concussion. Are they just going to launch investigations into every single player that says oh, I had a concussion yes. back in the game? Well, yes. but come on, let's be real. They're not going to do that, are they? No, they're I mean, not. Well, they can they can launch an investigation into a guy that just admitted that he's had multiple blackouts during the, during games, but, uh, and who hey, seemed Joe, to be talking hey, about his NFL experiences. When hey, he was Joe, did this happen at the NFL? No, it happened at LSU. Okay, thanks. Goodbye. There's your investigation. I mean, you can't, but you can't. You're saying don't even don't even ask the questions. No, that I'm not saying don't. Me. I'm not saying don't ask the question. I'm saying you're jumping. Me. We're just jumping to another massive conclusion that we think because we we feel like as a fan base we're being done done wrong. Well, as a fan base, yes, Miami is being done wrong. We but don't yes, know that. How do we know that? How do we know that Miami are being done wrong? We don't know the facts, so we don't know if anybody's being done wrong. Because is being told to retire. That is objectively ridiculous. You have guys out there with media with various like very popular media personalities platforming a guy out there who literally said that the Miami Dolphins should be charged with attempted murder. I mean, and you're going to tell uh, me and you're going to tell me that they're that nobody's doing the Miami Dolphins wrong here? This is why we didn't have the discussion on Monday because it's we it's utterly pointless. A load of people going for like clickbait and kind of trying to make a noise for themselves. It, it is you know, it's just steering away from from the facts, and the facts are that we don't know what happened, and the facts may you have come out. three head coaches, three head coaches: Rex Ryan, John Harbaugh, and Bill Belichick, 
all blatantly hypocrisizing them, or being sure. hypocrites. But, about we, but the bottom line is, Chris, we still don't know the facts of what happened with Tua. So we can conjecture, you know. It doesn't It doesn't matter. What of, course the facts are of course it matters. Of course it matters. We're through the looking glass here. It doesn't matter it what the facts are. It doesn't matter what the facts are when you have somebody saying that Tua, when you have a former NFL.com writer, or maybe current, I don't know, saying yeah. that Tua should consider retirement because of the, the concussion. Who, that, who has, cares? that has nothing to do with what happened on, on Buffalo. But okay? who cares? It, who cares what Chase Goodbread but who cares what Chase Goodbread has to say? About you say who cares all the time about the people going after Miami? And then the, you say and then you say things like people aren't going after Miami. So which is it, Simon? Well no, sorry, sorry what, what what do you mean? You always say why, why would we like, what, people what, go what, after Tua Tonga Vailoa or people go after Miami. You always say who cares about those people going who, after Miami. And then you turn them? around and you say people aren't going after Miami unfairly. I think you're slightly mixing not metaphors, but you're slightly twisting the the discussion a little bit. I don't care that Colin Cowherd on his radio show says, Oh, two is not a very good quarterback. I don't, I genuinely don't care, but lots of people seem to get really irate and upset. And it, it really hurts their feelings that somebody comes out and says that. Oh no, I you can say, no, you can say that he's bad, but when you start lying about but him who, is but who's lying. Oh, what, a bunch what of lies are being lied. told? Well, about what? Lies. Like what? What, what lies? I'll give you, the, I'll give you the, the best one of them all, which was that he didn't care. He didn't work hard enough. That thing got out to everybody Chris, I mean, and got Alf, repeated a thousand Alf, times. Mate, Alf, do not make me repeat what you told me in our previous iteration. And What's guess who Chris? gave that to me? The same but, assholes that spread it all over the place. But but you didn't. So if you didn't believe that, why did you tell us what you told us? Which we because, can't tell Because who am I going to believe? If I talk to coaches and they tell me, no, nah, he just doesn't work hard enough. But and you, then I hear it, and then I hear it in the corner. And you, you were very specific about a very specific person who, exactly. who left that quarterback room and said something very specific, right? So you, we yes. can't have it both ways. Yeah, but why did it? But we can't, we can't have it both ways, mate. Place. But we can't have it both ways. But now we Somebody know it's complete can't. bullshit. How do we know it's complete bullshit? I've heard similar things that he didn't work particularly hard in the first couple of years. Yeah, but then, but now we have all of this other information that's come to light where he actually has worked his ass off for the last two yeah. years, and then we're wondering, wait a minute, uh, how is this possible? But we know, all of a sudden, we know his weight gain and his weight loss in the last two years from his his hip injury. Uh, that doesn't suggest that this is a guy that was standing by a hot dog stand for 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 two years. Remember that that first year was there was a COVID year. There was no off season program for the Miami Dolphins, so we really only have like a year and a half to go by. Like that guy, this guy has actually worked, but we got fed a bunch of bullshit that we all repeated. But no, it's not bullshit. We we have we hear from. I know for a fact that our the people that we talk to are completely different people. I know for a fact that it's not bullshit because I spoke to somebody within the front office who told me it's not bullshit that he didn't work as hard as he perhaps could have done in those early eighteen months. Now you can put. Brian Flores or any conversation you want to in terms of how he was treated. We all work with fucking people we don't give a shit about or we don't like. And I know that, yes, the situation was different and the situation, you know, is magnetized because of who he was and the situation that was going on. But the facts are the facts. You still have a job to do. And I was told outright that there was a it, he wasn't working as hard as he was supposed to have worked. That's just a that's just and that comes from with no agenda. That comes from somebody who's a massive advocate of Tua, a massive advocate of Tua. So, uh, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. 
I, I just like my, my my ultimate bottom line point, and going back to Chris's point, I just don't I don't care about what happens when some radio host or some TV guy says something stupid or says something, you know, I, I don't care about it. I just couldn't give a fuck. It's their opinion. We know why they're doing it. We've all worked in the media. I, I just don't give a shit. And 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 I, I understand there is a, an element of the fan base who think I have to protect our quarterback at all costs. And we have to become this kind of two and on bullshit that we see on the internet, which makes, which, which exacerbates the issue a billion times. The only person that is ever going to make the situation better is the quarterback, right? He goes on the field and he plays better. He's not as mediocre as he's been or as up and down as he's been the first couple of years. And for the first three weeks of the season, first game played pretty well. Second game, amazing in the, in the second half and certainly the fourth quarter, a bit, you know, certainly up and down in the first half. Played really well on the field, not a lot against Buffalo. Played pretty well against Cincinnati before before the injury, right? If he'd have continued on that arc, those conversations, there's no more Colin Cowherd saying what he's saying. There's no more, you know, I, I just I just don't give a fuck because the, the, the rhythm of, of the media world changes so quickly anyway. It's like we've got a saying here in the UK that like if something bad goes wrong and it's all in the newspaper, it'll be tomorrow's fish and chip paper because fish and chips get wrapped in yesterday's newspaper. And that's the kind of thing. The news cycle moves on. The only person that's going to change. Simon, Simon, let me, uh, but because you just said this on the last episode that we were talking about, you talked about how unfortunate it is that Miami has already lost and will already lose the PR war in this. And that, and that this is this is going this is going to look no matter what no matter what comes down the pike with this investigation that this is going to look bad for Miami either way and that they've already lost the PR battle or they're going to lose the sure. PR battle on this if that's if if this is the case that you don't care then why are you even talking about that clearly a lot of people do no, care i don't care about i don't care about i don't care about the peripheral noise uh, of the peripheral saying, noise, which includes head coaches talking about how Mike McDaniel yeah. did something that is unconscionable to them. I don't care about it. I don't care. Like, you know, but, but, but the point of the PR how battle, is that? How is that not part and parcel of the PR battle that you're saying that they're losing? But the PR battle is so. For example, Tyrod Taylor got concussed at the weekend, right? And there were when when it happened and when he was announced that he was going to be out of the game, people like Tom Pelissaro, Ian Rapport tweeted that Tyrod Taylor is out of the game with a, with a concussion. You then had hundreds of people going, "Dolphins would have put him back in the game." Dolphins. Were, that's what I mean by losing the PR battle. Whenever when the report comes out on Thursday, as it's supposed to, or Wednesday night, but more likely Thursday, as we've been told today by Marcel Ujac, what's going to happen, regardless of what it says, is that. There will still be people that say, well, you know, I don't believe this or this has been fudged or oh, back injury, bullshit. That wasn't a back injury. We all saw the video. It wasn't a back. So it doesn't matter what happens. We're not like Bill Belichick, John Harbour, fucking Pope coming out and saying it is not going to change people's opinion overall. Saying those things are exactly why you're, you're describing. I guess you're describing what like a, 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 ma a Twitter masses response of of like. You know, oh, the Dolphins would have put him back in and stuff like that. Well, why do you think? Why do you think those people are saying it? Why do you think that's such a popular sentiment? It's because they're being stoked by all these people who are not applying the same standards but, to but Miami doing... as they do to other, everyone else. So, so why do we? So why do we think that? Because I was thinking about this earlier on, like, and I, I see fans all the time say things like, "Oh, the media hates the Dolphins and everybody hates the Dolphins." And I'm just like, no, they don't. Who hates the Dolphin? Why? What possible reason is that? I can understand people hating the Browns, right? I can't understand people hating 
a, a team from Miami, one of the most beautiful areas in the world, hot, warm weather, great stadium, great players historically, Dan Marino, et cetera, et cetera. You know, media people, they hate the Dolphins. Really? Because I don't understand why. Because the Dolphins are always massively health, health, helpful media-wise. We all know the media team generally, historically, have been extremely helpful. They've certainly been incredibly helpful to me. And I know lots of people who've been, you know, they, they've done gone above and beyond to sort things out and to, so, so i don't understand this oh the media hate the dolphins the dolphins are three and oh so everybody's got to try and knock them down i i just don't buy that i'm sorry i'm sorry because i know it flies in the face of what you believe i just don't i it's Listen, just nonsense if, to me. simon if somebody shoots somebody in the face just because you can't because you can't prove why they did it doesn't mean that they didn't do it okay they have been they have been in effect being unfair to Tua Tungavailoa and the Miami Dolphins for a while now. And I, I know it's part part of it, the, the big the big reason is going to be because of ratings, because in some ways this drives ratings and they and they go for it. But that doesn't mean that you can't sit there and point out the hypocrisy. Of, of course, course you can. You should. But for of me personally, I don't care about it. You but are other happy, people mate. do. If other people of course, and care, I'm not saying you shouldn't be on TV. But what have I once said to you? Don't don't care about it, Chris. I've said I personally don't care about it. And I see you two boys who I've known for 20, 25 years. I love you like brothers. But I, I see you two getting really irate about stuff people say. And I just think I don't like nothing is going to change about it. Nothing is going to change. Yeah, but you, you understand that this is something that it goes beyond the Dolphins. This has been going on in the in sports media for a very long time. It started what has oh this this absolute visceral hatred of anything Miami. It started with the hurricanes in the eighties when Sports Illustrated came out with with a, a an article basically asking to di disband the entire uh, entire program. But and it was then, kind of, but th there was a reason for there, there were reasons for that in terms yeah, of the since we've nature had, of the yeah, and since we've had much much worse violations by the Alabamas, by the Texases, by the Ohio States, by the Michigans, and none of it gets mentioned. And I don't see Sports Sports I'm Illustrated sure putting out a giant. You know, putting it on their front page, disband the program. And then, of course, we lived through the big three era. Uh, the, the, the Miami Heat, they signed two free agents, people. They, that's you know, all they pe did. People with double standards can apply reasons, you know, can say, I have a reason for this. But it doesn't mean it's not a double standard. I mean, I just don't care. I just don't care. Like, people are going to, like I've said, that people are going to slag tour off because... Frankly, he's been mediocre for two seasons. And, you know, like you said, it, it drives ratings and it drives he's a popular player, he's a popular Alabama. That's the reason why. And until he changes the, the narrative, it, it, it's going to drive the 24-hour cycle that we, the, the world that we live in. We're, it's not 1984 anymore. It's not 1984. But, but it's, such, it's such a set of moving goalposts. How could you not... How could you not point it out? Because, because there's moving because, goals. Because he he has been succeeding this year. He's done really well this year And so far. lots of people have, have, have said... He's been fantastic. Lots of and people. Then, and then he takes a concussion and they say he should retire. One person said that. Well, it's been a few since. Well, I mean, let's be real. Chase Goodbread is the person that said it. I mean, that's what we're all irate about. Because all, some yeah, but also the, the, the doctor uh, from the movie Concussion, Ben, uh, he was ben prompted. Yeah, he was prompted on a show he went on. And he, he went into this long soliloquy, basically talking to two of Tunga Bailoa. He said he loved him like a brother. Does he did he even know that he played quarterback until until Thursday? And that he I was mean, urging I've, him I, to retire. 
mate, see this this is this is the double standard I'm talking about, right? I've interviewed Bennett Amalu on a number of occasions. He is hugely knowledgeable. He is the man that found CTE. He is the man that discovered CTE. He knows a lot about football. Well, okay, he just he threw he just about. threw a, a tank of gas onto the fire by asking but him. Don't forget, he's a man. to retire. This is the man who literally took Andre Waters's brain, took Mike Webster's brain, took all of these players, Junior Sauer's brain, all of these players, uh, and sees the devastating effects of, of CTE. Of of Mike Webster's son had to put his father to sleep with a taser because the pain was so much for him. With a taser. Okay, this is what we're talking about. So this guy comes from a position like we all come from positions. He comes from a position of seeing, being around players, seeing the effects of concussion on on the brain. So I can understand him going on a show and saying, you know what? I'm seriously concerned for 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 what's happened to this guy. Is he is he going to tell Joe Burrow to retire? I don't know. I mean, it literally came out 20 minutes ago. Well, I mean, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath. But why do you care? Like we we spent exactly half an hour getting really antagonistic about something. That we can't do, Simon, we can't do anything about care. it. It's a good thing people care, otherwise they wouldn't listen to our show. I mean, that, I mean again, that's I mean, a slightly this, you're, you're obsequious asking reference. Basically, why but, do we care about all of sport? But again, Chris, slightly obsequious, and you're not really... My point is I don't care about negative sort of, you know, keeping the news churn going for whatever reason conversation i just i couldn't give a fuck about it we're not it's not we're not gonna be able to change it so we just sit and go round and round and round and and complain and cry and bitch and moan about it and then the same person comes out and says something oh that's terrible that's terrible we're woe woe us woe is us miami have been terribly treated no other franchise in the world of sport ever gets treated the way do we do so we can't do anything about it let's just play the fucking games and 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 the chips will fall where they may and if the kid is good enough to play quarterback and, and be our franchise quarterback then so be it the narrative will change and if he's not he'll he's not and those people will have been right i i just don't i just don't have enough energy or bandwidth in my life to 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 care and it, the fact that you do i'm proud of you both that you do that's great and i'm glad that you fight the fires that you do on the internet and those sorts of things i just couldn't give a shit because we ain't going to be able to change it and 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 what will happen is that this report will come out on Thursday, and no matter what it says, people will say, "Well, I saw the video, I saw what happened." And there will be doctors that say, "Ah, oh, well, they, the NFL can say what they say, but you know, he was concussed." So, you know, and then it will say, "Mike McDaniel should have taken him out of the game." You know, Mike McDaniel should have erred on the side of caution when he saw what he saw, regardless of what the doctor said. He probably should have just erred on the side of caution, and that will be the sort of thing that's happened because that's the sort of thing that's been happening over the last couple of days, whether we like it or not. And whenever for the next few weeks, whenever there's a concussion, there'll be jokers going, oh, Dolphins want to put it back in the game, you know, and then something else will happen and tomorrow's papers will become, today's papers will become tomorrow's fish and chip papers and it'll move on. But I mean, okay, so that that is all, that is all probably, I, I don't disagree with you. I just don't understand why it's all right. I'm not saying it's all right. That, but, it's a, but it's essentially a third rail to discuss how, some of that or some all mo most some amount of that is essentially an application of double standard and an an unfair application of criticism i don't understand why that's a third rail so my like point every time we just every time we discuss that you know cut it off we you know no no nobody cares who cares how do we you know, know? no i don't care how do we know though that these people aren't right what people 
the people that are saying what they're saying that are d- talking that, in a, Tua, that Tua should retire. No, no, no. But who should say that Miami didn't do enough or that I don't care what Chase Goodbread said. I mean, he's fucking irrelevant to this, right? But who, who we, because my point about this whole thing is that we don't know what happened. We don't know what the doctors did or didn't do, how it was parlayed, whether Tua lied, whether Tua didn't even know he had a concussion and said his back hurt. We don't know whether somebody radioed to McDaniel and said, you know, we think he's okay. What do you want to do, coach? Oh, yeah, put him back in the game. We don't know any of this yet. And until we know the, the all the details, I I, I find we it really... Don't, we don't know that, Simon, but we do know what the responses have been. And we can objectively evaluate the responses. That is possible. Of course. But we also, the, the responses could be right because we don't know the baseline fact of the situation. It could, I, it could be, it could be right that Bill Belichick said that Bill Belichick said that he's, you know, he would take guys or he's taken guys out of games or uh, out of playing situations, even though the medical staff, you know, approved them to go playing, even though, even though in the Super Bowl when Julian Edelman took that obvious concussion, then he continued to play and was slurring his words after the game. And Bill Belichick himself was asked about it. And he said that medical people don't call plays and coaches don't uh, don't make medical decisions. So, so that was you, not that was not objectively a hypocritical situation. So we can't you, say that. What are Why? you? What are you? And I'm not saying you can't say it, but my point is, what are you going to do about it then? Well, I'm, I'm no, going no, to seriously. Get, on a podcast. That's what we're doing. And 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 what what benefit what benefit is that going to happen to the general? What well, is that gonna, no, no, seriously. What's is that going to? Is Bill Belichick going to? No, is Bill Belichick going to listen in and go, oh, the boys from three yards per carry are right. I should change my mind. I mean, what, what's going to happen? All this. Well, like, what's happening is our listeners listen to it and we get yeah, out I mean, our listeners, we're preaching to the choir. Our listeners all believe that the Dolphins have done nothing wrong, as may well be proven out. And they all think Bill Belichick's a joker. Well, preaching to the choir happens every Sunday, Simon. It's part of religion. No, but we're not talking about every Sunday, Chris. We're talking about a specific point. You, you are now moving the goalposts. We are talking about a specific point quote that you have kept bringing up about bill belichick okay yeah what, what is going to change because you want to vent against bill belichick beyond you so what's the point if nothing's going to change well, what's why are we bother, why are we... This? what's the point what's the point of watching the sport instead of right. just finding out Again, what happened afterwards? That's, that's not what we're talking about though is it we're talking about something very specific with regards to a very specific injury we're not talking about, let's not talk about the game. We're talking about a very specific injury where people have taken a position, whether it's left or right of whatever the, the position is, and are st- stuck in their particular mud, as it were. Okay. What you you have we have literally spent 32 minutes <laughs> discussing this, right? Because I can tell by the we've got eight <laughs> minutes left on this Zoom chat. We have spent 32 minutes discussing this, right? What is your specific point that is going to change what Bill Belichick said about concussions by discussing it here on this? But what is going to change? Whose mind is going to be suddenly like which which part of the media landscape or the or the world at large is going to change because you've unloaded on your thoughts about Bill Bill Belichick? Ergo, you are quite within your rights obviously to talk about how dissatisfied you are with what he said it is hypocritical but what is going to change by spending third now 33 minutes <laughs> talking about it nothing is going to change i think it's just pointing out that these yeah, are not we've... honest brokers in of in course all of but who's not like i've got i've got news for you right 
the team that you support, whatever team it is, there's a load of shitty people there. There's a load of really bad people that work on the team. There's a load of really bad people that play on the team who do really bad things because that's professional sport. Lots of young people with shitloads of money do really shitty things, all right? And, it, and if we believe that the teams that we like aren't involved in that shit, I've got a fucking bridge to sell you, all right? So I, I just... <sighs> Yes, I don't, under, I don't understand why there has like I don't understand the question in as much as it, it comes with bad assumptions. It comes with bad assumptions that you know on a, on a talk radio or uh, you know on an article or, uh, or or some you know some format of media format in order to be talking about something in order to be talking about you know how hypocritical a certain quote was or something like that we have to be we have to have a clear line of sight into how that's going to change the world for the better and i don't think that that's true this is just talk radio or talk podcast this is this is sport this is entertainment the entire business is entertainment simon the entire yeah. business is about how do we find entertainment and intrigue about this sport that's why there's so much that has grown up around it whether it's the tv industry the television industry whether it's the draft whether it's all the all this intrigue this mountains upon mountains of intrigue layered on top of each other around the sport that we love you, you can't tell fans how to fan, okay? You can't tell sports people or sports media how to engage with their audiences. And, and just say, you know, every time that every time they talk about something, be like, oh, this is pointless. This is, this is not worth it. Well, I mean, you, we're talking about this for 35 minutes basically because you're saying not that, that it's not right for us to talk about it. I've not said that all. for what? I've not said that once. I, I, I have said repeatedly that I, I personally do not have the bandwidth to deal with it. But also, you've just made the point, you know, we take a position on all sorts, all, all sorts of things. We, you, have taken a certain position over what's happened with Tua. Lots of people have taken another position that you seem now un, unable to come to. What if, what if Chase Goodbread, what if it turns out that Tua did have a concussion against Buffalo and then four days later got another serious concussion against Cincinnati and potentially risked death because let's not beat around the bush second impact syndrome could have caused a death to have two concussions within four days what if that's chase goodbread's widely held opinion based on the fact that the reality is that he did have two concussions that he thinks given to his injury history and given the fact of his age etc and the violence of the game that he plays that he shouldn't retire isn't well, that because i would say no, no, a doctor would lose his his license to practice for one because he'll be sued out of the business. But, but people no, misdiagnose things I, all the time. Chase Goodbread is a member of the media and he said what he said. His was commentary, right? It was it was it was a column column commentary. Yeah, an editorial type thing, I think. An editorial situation. And that's he can editorialize as much as as much as he wants. But what if he's right? It's part of it's part of his business. It's part of it's part of what he needs to do. Other people arguing against what he editorializes is also part of the business. Okay, sure. but there feels people, like a lack of people, flexibility no, no, in the listen, positions. Listen, listen, listen to me on this. Okay, so him editorializing is part of his business, but other people turning around and saying, "Okay, but where was this application, or where is this application of your rationale on all of these other cases, and why are you isolated? Why are you picking?" this particular one to talk about that's yeah. what we're generally talking about in the mm -hmm. cases sure. with, but, with but, but but where 
where has there been a situation where a quarterback has had two concussions in four days? Well, do we know that he had a concussion no, the first no. time? Is the Alf, issue. no. I'll tell you what, Alf, I'll tell you why we don't know, because we don't know the facts, buddy. But what if he did? That was what I said. What if he'd had a concussion? But we never will know. That's the thing. Because only okay. two so of them. Why are we even talking truth. about this? So why are we even talking about this? Why have we wasted 37 minutes? Because it's entertaining. That's why. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sold our listeners think it's entertaining. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just um I, I mean I, I, I don't know. I just like we don't know the facts. We've all jumped to a load of conjecture points. This didn't happen. This happened. He's got a bad back. He didn't get look. We got to move on to the. We're going to move on to the Jets. And trust me, dear listener, I know you just endured almost forty minutes of this. And we'll I preferred give you it a... when you were underwater. Of course, when you. <laughs> and we're going to give you thirty minutes. We're going to give you thirty minutes, thirty solid minutes on the New York Jets, which is the most that the New York Jets deserve. But I will say this: not don't me. try and have the last word. It, it was. I am going to have the last word right here. Okay, <laughs> it's incredible to me. Okay, and this is not on anything that we've talked about. I've already said my piece. I think this is an anti-Miami bias, and I've already explained a million times why that is. Okay, it's just a regional thing down here. Okay, but nobody's mentioned that the last time that Teddy Bridgewater started a football game, he was carted off with a head injury, and I found that out today because somebody pointed it out to me. I looked it up, and sure enough, he was carted off. With a head injury, December 19th. That was the last time he started a football game in the NFL. Nobody's mentioned it. Well, we will. On When we come back from this break, we will talk Dolphins, Jets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I'm pretty sure you've heard about OnlyFans, right? Well, guess what? You're going to hear about it again, okay? It's $3 a month. $3 a month. It's less than a cup of coffee. Join OnlyFans. Go to patreon.com slash OnlyFans. O-N-L-Y. Fins. OnlyFans. $3 a month. You get a chat. You get to hear or see what we say on a daily basis. Chris, Simon, Alf. See what they say. News. Breaking news. Video. Draft info. Year-round. We, get, we have giveaways after every single win during the season. And, of course, that great chat with over a 1,000 members. Join today. $3 a month. Do it. All right, and we're back. And as promised, we will talk New York Jets. But, uh, Sam, you had to you had to go somewhere to relieve yourself. Uh, I need to pee. I need an old man pee. We've been banging on for fucking three hours. So <laughs> I needed a slash. So thank God for that. I didn't take Did my you, mic, I didn't take the mic with me, Chris. So sorry. You didn't take the mic with you, though. Is this you? Will have any more pee? I, I mean, I, that's what kind of what I was hoping for here. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to hear me pee, mate. To be honest, <laughs> like, and because we've been sat here for three hours, I sound like a, an absolute racehorse. But have you ever have you ever peed on the podcast before? Uh, 
being honest, like turn off the mic or something. I probably have turned off the mic and gone for a pee. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've done that before. I can't remember doing it, but I'm I've got a vague I've got a vague recollection that you two just went off on one of your normal fucking eight minute <laughs> fucking bullshit rants. And I would have made a cup of tea, had a biscuit, would have had a pee, read the paper. Oh, we know you've had we know you've had tea and biscuits on the show. Oh, I've had tea on the show all the time because we fucking record at midnight, so I need something to keep me awake. But I, we we definitely heard you crunching on on stuff. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm always eating shit. So one time, um, one time you were eating cereal. And oh we, yeah, we I was. Heard, yeah, we just heard the clank, clank, clank. Yeah, that was a that was a new low for the podcast. I think I got I got to find. By the way, I got to find uh, uh my my interview with Sauce Gardner because he's he's starting the week off by talking shit, like basically saying Jameson Williams was pretty fast out of Alabama, so he wipes his ass with Tyreek Hill. Uh, I got to find my interview with him in Las Vegas. Like, that kid has confidence. Yeah, now, having good. said that, I hope Tyreek Hill hangs 250 yards on him on Sunday. Uh, Sammy, you were telling a story of something that, that, that happened while you were recording your award-winning. I hasn't won awards yet, mate, but it's going to fucking pile them up. Um, so I made, as people may or may not know, I made a documentary called Moment of Truth. You can listen to it on BBC Sounds. It's a multi-episode um, documentary series where I embedded with two uh, League One football teams, which are two leagues below the Premier League. So you would say if Alabama was the Premier League, you would probably be embedding with, I think of some lower, like Nevada or Colorado, like mm. UCLA, that kind of level. University of, of Miami. Yeah, yeah, that shit. Uh, Louisville, that kind of thing. Anyway, I spent the last four months at the end of the season and literally just was allowed to go anywhere. The managers wore microphones the whole time. So at training, on the team bus, at home with their families and during games. So you hear them during games as the games are going on, shouting instructions, getting annoyed, shouting at the referee, arguing with other players, talking to their coaches, shouting at the players at halftime, all that sort of thing. But... And I, we recorded a lot of material, probably 200 hours, 250 hours of material. And I've had to, obviously had to listen through to all of that during the summer or the uh, the end of the spring, start of the summer to make it. And uh, unfortunately, because there are microphones all the time, they had to go to the toilet quite a lot. And the amount of times that they went to the toilet for both ends, frankly, front and back, uh, and didn't turn their microphones off, I can tell you what it sounds like to hear two grown football managers. P take poos um one of the managers has a nervous energy poo about 10 minutes before the game that was always fun never forgot never turned his microphone off um a so nervous yeah, energy I mean, poo i gotta i gotta know what that's, that's that adre- sounds like he calls it an adrenaline poo i've got a number of them on i mean i, I, probably, <laughs> I probably can't give them to alf to play and it, by god who would want to hear that anyway but i, I just i do have a folder of emergency uh, adrenaline poos well, it's I'll, I'll tell a story that I just remembered right now. When I was a uh, uh, executive producer of uh, Sports Bang, we had a guest on. Um, I believe it was Mike Tyson, but don't quote me. It was either Mike Tyson or Chris Bosh, one of the two, right? And we had just done an interview with him, and it was at the time that the new pope was being introduced, right? So as soon as the new pope was being introduced, they basically kick us out of the, the control room and we have to leave, right? And then we come back into the control room and we could go on recording whatever we have to record. So the Pope is speaking, and I remember that all my talent, um, and I won't mention who it was, but one of the talent has his omnidirectional mic on, right? And he goes into the bathroom, and I guess he leaves the mic open. 
when he leaves the mic open, it goes over the sound that's being put out over the satellite. You understand? So when you know we're we're potting down the Pope speaking, and then you're gonna hear whatever's in our in our in our uh, in our studio. Okay, so if, if we have a mic on, you're gonna hear whatever anybody says in our studio. It just happens that way. Okay, so the Pope is speaking, and I'm sitting there, and I have my feet up, and I'm drinking a coffee, and I'm just staring at at nothing, right? And I start hearing like somebody unzipping their pants in my headphones, and I'm like. The fuck is that? What's what's going on? And it occurs to me, Jesus Christ, this guy left his mic on, and now everybody in the Miami, in the greater Miami area that's gonna watch the Pope speak is gonna hear somebody pissing into a urinal. And I ran, I'm talking about at least it was about six yards away from where the sound is. I ran six yards to just flip off that that switch. And I managed to get it as soon as it went on the air with the Pope speaking. Mm-hmm. If I was a second slower, about 300, 400,000 people in the greater Miami area would, would have heard somebody urinating over the Pope speaking. Is that what I sound like with my microphone? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> All right. Since we're talking about urine, this, let's talk about the New York Jets. This, this Jets this Jets preview episode is going is really awesome. well. It's awesome. But yeah, like I said, we're talking about urine. Let's move on to the New York Jets. I just finished doing a podcast with the play like the the, the Jet guys, uh, Scott Mason. He does a great job. These are great people, by the way. I do play play like a Jet whenever the Dolphins play the Jets, and I and I do the Rock Pile Report with the Bills guys every single week. They love us. Okay, they love our podcast. They they like that the rivalry is back for now. And I was talking to the play like, like the Jet guys. Jesus Christ, man. If you think we got some issues on the offensive line, and I think we do, by the way. Greg Little has not I've been, I've been reviewing his last two games. Jesus Christ, that's not good. <laughs> okay. Greg Little has not been good these last two weeks. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But if you think we got issues, uh, Simon, do you know what they're doing with their offensive line this week? The New York Jets? Uh, sorry, I've just been sent this really weird email that I was just reading while you were talking uh, about a guy who said, <laughs> I mean, it's one of the most astonishing emails. You know, years ago, you used to get those sort of emails from, and we will talk about the Jets in a minute. <laughs> you talk about getting emails <laughs> from people. I can't concentrate on the Jets after having read this. You know, you, you understand, Simon, that there's like like two or three very lonely three yards per carry fans I that know, are huge Jets fans. They're like, man, I want to hear these guys talk about my team. I've got and good Jets stuff for you guys. But I want to hear what's in it. the email. So this guy's just messaged me to say, hi, my name is X. I won't tell you what his name is. Sorry to communicate it this way. I'm not used to dealing with people in this way because time does not leave me a choice because I do not have a long life. <laughs> Bang. Okay, that's point number one. I do not have a long life. This guy's had a bad life. <laughs> I would like that you take the time to read my message to have the right decision. I know my message will seem a little unusual to you, but trust me because I'm an honest person. I'm an honest person. <laughs> I would like you to pay particular attention to this because the great humanist Raoul Folero taught us that no one has the right to be happy alone. I am X nationality. A few years ago, I lived in X, in Y, and then in Z, where I made my fortune in flourishing businesses in A, B, and C. This allowed me to take advantage of considerable funds worth 25 million euros. <laughs> oh, you my name ready, is Simon. <laughs> I know. My name is X. I live in X. I'm an X and X import business owner. I had no luck in my life. Clang as I lost my wife and two children in an accident in Bristol, England. Clang, clang. Also, really interesting, like, 
detailing of Bristol. You gotta, you gotta send this guy all your bank info. Unfortunately, I have terrible throat cancer. Clang, oh, Jesus. clang, which is terminal. <laughs> clang, like a clang. Yeah, send means, this guy your bank info now. Which is terminal, which means I'm doomed to certain and impending death. <laughs> clang. The attending physician informed me my days are numbered due to my deteriorating health. Clang. But my situation is I'm a widower and have no children. Therefore, I would like to give you these funds to you as I have followed you on Twitter nice kindly day. and to help those in need so you can build a foundation that will bear my name. Please accept this offer so that my goods do not systematically become property of the X state. After receiving my message, please contact my notary by email for more information. God bless you. Cheers, X. Chase Goodbird would say that that guy needs to retire. That, uh, sorry, I, mean, I, just, I can't. I can't believe we just heard heard Simon get rich right here on the air. No, yeah. see you, lads. I am out of here. I'm starting four and a half yards per carry. You can go <laughs> fuck yourselves. <laughs> wow. All right. Sorry. I promise we we will talk Jets. Anyway, I was talking to Scott Mason. He was telling me what they're going to do with their offensive line. Uh, do you have any idea what they're going to do with their offensive line this week, Simon? Uh, no, but aren't George Fan and um, they've got a lot of injuries because Elijah Vera Tucker played left tackle, didn't he? On um, yes, he and he's well. remaining there because yeah. Max Mitchell is now out. They're missing four tackles for this game. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is moving out to left tackle permanently. Connor McDermott is moving to right tackle permanently. And they're trying to keep uh, the middle the same with Dan Feeney playing right guard. They're down to one guy left on their bench. The rest are going to be street free agents or their practice squad. If that's not if that's not a giant bell ringing in that defensive line room for the Miami Dolphins, I don't know what is. What's going to wake up these guys? You got to think that Emmanuel Ogba has a big game. Let's start there. Uh, your thoughts, and we're we're gonna. This is going to be kind of like a Jets preview and the quarter pole evaluation of this team. Uh, Simon, your thoughts on the defensive line so far this year? Uh, inconsistent, I think. Um, a little, I think the interior has been solid. I think Sela and Wilkins have been outstanding, actually. I, I just think the ends haven't been, you know, Og- Ogba is never going to be your 15 sack a year guy. He's that kind of tough edge setting. Will get sacks, often gets um, you know hoovers up kind of um, coverage sacks. He's relentless. He gets his hands up in passing lanes, those sorts of things. Yeah, he has Jordan a knack Phil- for that. Like uh, yeah, Jordan I Phillips he had 17 last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think he re- works really well against the stud on the other side because you just can't you have to account for Ogba on every single play because he just brings it hard every single down. Unfortunately, Jalen Phillips hasn't quite held up his end of the bargain you know he's he's getting in decent positions he but he's just not getting home for whatever reason and he is in one-on-one battles it's not like he's been chipped by tight ends and backs an awful lot so i think if phillips can get going that unit will be outstanding but it's just you kind of want him to you know okay this is week five now coming up you know we i don't think he has a sack all season or if he does maybe one but it's not been a sack where he's just beating a guy around the end you know bent but ran the arc bent is you know bent under the tackle and got to the quarterback so that's a concern I think, but the interior guys, I think, have been excellent. Um, although I do think we get a little bit gashed against the run um, sometimes. And, you know, what what I think is an issue is that, I mean, I saw a stat earlier on that said that the, the Dolphins are 
They're allowing 7.4 yards per passing play, which is 31st in the league. And if you can't get pressure, you know, that's why there were, you know, that there, there have been times, especially when we only send four, and we got home with four really well, really proficiently against the Bills, but struggled to do that a bit against the Bengals. And, you know, no sacks, I don't think, against them, maybe one sack against the Bengals. Um, the Jets average 3.8 yards per carry on, or 3.8 yards per play on first down, which is the lowest in the league. So you kind of feel like there's a bit of, okay, you know, if we can shore up first down and put them behind the chain so that they're in second and long and third and long and, you know, and then we can send the blitz or or, or, or get pressure off the edge on Zach Wilson. I think that's where we'll benefit, especially with a with an offensive line that's struggling. So I do see sacks in this game, but we really need Jordan, uh, Jalen Phillips to, to step up. Yeah, Chris, this uh, that's the game, isn't it? Our defensive line performs like, you know, we're, you know, that's half the battle. Like we're almost home. If if our defensive line could just get over on, on the Jets offensive line, which they should if you're reading the tea leaves and reading the actual injury report so far, agree, Chris? I, I think, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to play a big uh, role, particularly, you know, we're talking about Zach Wilson as a quarterback and Zach Wilson, you know, going all the way back to coming out of BYU. The biggest question that I would have had about that I did have about him um, is, you know, how much time, how much an incredible uh, amount of time and clean pocket he had back at BYU and and it was not going to be the same thing in the NFL it was never destined to be that way um that's one of the big that's the biggest reason why you know the Patrick Mahomes comparisons were not were not good ones because uh Mahomes had zero pocket in college he learned to just constantly be playing with his hair on fire um i think that so the pressure is going to be huge here but i i, I would almost look at it like say you have to look at, I think, you have to give at least some credit here or some um, heed to the how the Dolphins do play on their defensive line. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to the, the numbers games, you know, the sacks and stuff like that. Because as I look at it, you know, if, if I'm looking at, say, for example, pass rush win rates or something like that, you know, Christian Wilkins and, and Zach Sealer are good in, in pass rush win rate. We know that. Um, but so is, you know, surprisingly, Jalen, Jalen Phillips has a good pass rush win rate, um, especially relative to the amount of double teaming that he, that he gets. And, and we know that Melvin Ingram was just AFC defensive player of the year or not the year, sorry, of the, of the, month. Uh, of the month of the month. Right. So, so you have Melvin Ingram being AFC defensive player of the month. You have, uh, Jalen Phillips, uh, with a good pass rush win rate and Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer the same. And we both sing their praises constantly. So, I mean, you know, they're, it's not, we're not talking about just analytics. They play well on the field. Emmanuel Ogba plays pretty well. Like, like the pieces are there. And so if the numbers are not, you know, I think you have to pay attention to, what the scheme is and how they ask these guys to play and how they ask them to stay home and who they ask them to, you know, to eyeball out of the backfield and also, um, you know, whether they're getting double teamed and then whether they're doing this, you know, how many times have we seen it where because we blitz so much, the actual pass rushers, uh, they're, they're essentially decoys for the blitzer. You know, we brought it up about uh, Brandon Jones's big sack fumble, uh, sack fumble that uh, Melvin Ingram uh, returned for a touchdown. I mean, it, there's, you know, there's pass rushers there whose who's only job is to essentially decoy and tie up a person so that the, the blitzer can get home. So I think it's, it, you know, they talk about un, unselfish schemes. And I think that Miami is running a scheme that requires these pass rushers to be unselfish with respect to their, 
you know, their, their overall win rates and their overall uh, sacks and, and, and numbers and, and stuff like that. So I think I, I and, and we are the defense is allowing a high, uh, you know, amount of, um, you know, yards per uh, per attempt in the passing game. But but you have to look at that and say, well, yeah, but they've also been without Byron Jones the entire time. Right. And and X Xavier Howard, frankly, has been very up and down. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very. And you know, I know that he's fight, fighting an injury, and and we think that'll play this week. But you know, we can't be sure exactly how well he'll play. Um, I think they, you know, after that first week that he had a really good game against the Patriots, you know, he's he's been allowing some stuff out there. I, I'm I'm never going to go against X as a player, uh, what he's been in his career, but he's facing some injuries and he's not been very good. And in the meantime, then you have like Keon Crossan out there. You have. Uh, undrafted rookie free agent Cater Coho out there. You have, you know, Nick Needham out there playing uh, on the perimeter where, you know, maybe he should be playing uh, in the slot more often. Um, I think that I think that when it comes to the Dolphins defense not being able to get off the field consistently, which I think is their biggest problem, I, I would tend to look at that a little bit more than I than I do the the pass rush um which is being asked to play a little bit more of the unselfish, you know, uh, gamesmanship type ball. It reminds me of the old Chad Cascadden blitzes where, you know, his, his, his main job was just to take out a blocker and, you know, and just, uh, and, and just take him out of the picture so that somebody else could come right behind him. And um, I think that, uh, I think that there is some of that going on. And in this game though, you know, we, we need them to play disciplined probably, and we need them to dominate as well. Um, so yeah. And, and the jets game, I, I guess a long winded way of saying, I agree with you, but you know, I wonder if what's really been happening uh, with their inability to get off the field is actually more in the coverage. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would tend to agree. And it, I thought that the game plan against the Bengals was, was pretty good. It's it, you know, it's that old, uh, you know, Darius Slay was talking about this. Like, you know, sometimes they just hand you a guy and then they just double the other. And that's essentially what they tried to do. They doubled Jamar Chase for most of the game and they handed T. Higgins to Xavier Howard. And we know how that happened. How, you know, <laughs> what happened there? It wasn't good. Okay. It wasn't good. And then, then of course, uh, Xavier Howard ends up in the second half standing on the sideline with, with an ice pack on his groin. Uh, Simon, the last time, and I talked about this at the top of this preview. The last time that Teddy Bridgewater when was that? That was like that was like four days ago. At least four days ago. Okay. The last time Teddy Bridgewater started a game, oddly enough, it just occurred to me, and I'm looking at it right here. He was carted off against the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, for a concussion. All right. Uh, although this was different, he wasn't sacked in the in the pocket. He was uh, diving headfirst for a, for a first down, and he took a hit, and he was carted off with a concussion against the Cincinnati Bengals. Sound familiar? Uh, he's starting. Uh, you kind of indicated like you didn't have a lot of confidence. I have all the confidence in the world. He's been. This is his life dream is to start at quarterback for the Miami Dolphins. I think he's going to be really well prepared. He has ten days with Mike McDaniel to get him ready. Uh, your thoughts on Teddy? How does he have to play against the Jets to get this done? Well, he has to play well, and he has to play better than that horrendous fucking throw he made to Von Bell that lost Miami the game the other night. And that's the thing that concerns me about Teddy Bridgewater, and that's mm-hmm. the reason why he's a backup quarterback and not a starter. So um, I'm not sold I share your confidence because I've seen this film before with Teddy. You know, there's a reason why, like I said, he's a backup. Um, but the Dolphins do have one of the best backup plans in the league, which is him. 
Um, and, you know, there's not enough good starting quarterbacks in the league, let alone good backups. And we've got one of the best backups. So we just have to roll with it. I hope they establish the run. Um, you know, and that, that secondary has been, has quite literally been saucy. So, you know, you, you kind of challenge them with your backup quarterback at your peril. I, I hope they can start to establish the run game. Uh, I saw that Jalen Waddle didn't practice again today and that's a concern. Um, but, you know, I, I think getting, uh, getting that offense rolling, establishing the run so that Teddy isn't forced to, you, you don't want Teddy to have to come from behind throwing the ball 40, 50 times. That's that's not a recipe for, for winning the game. I think the Dolphins will lean heavily. And you may even see both Gaskin and Salvan Ahmed um eligible this week. Um or, or you know on the on the 53 this week just because um I, I just think they just want to get get the running game going, help Teddy out, don't put him behind the chains, don't put him in third and longs where he's got to, you know, to, to throw the ball because, you know, he doesn't have the quick release. Like he has the bigger arm, but he doesn't have the quick release. He doesn't have the the ball handling skills, you know, the mesh point when we run RPO, those sorts of things. So uh, it's a concern, but hopefully we've got enough in the tank to, and hopefully the guys are rested up enough after the two games in, in four days to, to come on the road. And, you know, because we're the number one seed in the AFC at the moment, but mm-hmm. we could fall to the number three team in the AFC East if we lose on Sunday. And that's, you know, we, Three hours essentially could define an awful lot because all of a sudden we're, you know, we're three and two behind the Jets and the Bills. Um, and that's, sorry, we're, yeah, three and two behind the Jets and the Bills. And that's not a position we want, necessarily want to be in. So, um, yeah, I, I I hope that we've got enough. Um, but I would imagine them relying a little bit on the run game. And I, I know it takes a while for that. You know, I saw a piece yesterday where, where uh, Kyle Shanahan did a, did a talk during the summer where he said, look, it normally takes two years for offensive linemen to really learn the intricacies of the system. So I, I'm not saying that after five games and and one training camp, it's gonna we're going to have that down. And that is the reason. It's such a complex run system. It's such a complex run game. But, you you know, if we can get that going, man, that's going to help on Sunday. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think, uh, you know, and this is an interesting question that I'll ask you, Chris. You know, the, the thinking is, look, the team is 11-2 and two in their last 13 games, okay? Uh, most of those wins have come basically on the strength of their defense, not turning it over on offense, playing complementary football. Uh, does it? Do you think that, that they're, they're, they're just going to say, look, we're going to lean on the way we, we won games last year toward the end of the year and essentially dial back the <laughs> offense a little bit? Well, it, you know, it's funny that you say that because or we or been... or uh, or is he just going to say, "Screw you! This is my offense. We're running it. I don't care who's that quarterback." Uh, two, a couple things to consider. One, um, these two these two people and Mike McDaniel and Robert Sully know each other very well, right? Um, you know, they were they were both in San Francisco together. Uh, I, Countless practices where uh, Mike McDaniel uh, and his offense were going against Sully's defense, uh, and and so they know it. They know it pretty intimately. Um, that doesn't. I'm not I'm not saying advantage. I'm just saying that the the way that the game could play out. Uh, and the second thing is, you would have thought that before the Baltimore game. Same thing that you're bringing up. You know, do we do we just try and play our game, try and try and win that way? And and in fact. I'm pretty sure that Mike McDaniel stepped into that game with plan A being we're going to we're going to establish the ground game this week. We're going to, you know, play it, play it a little bit like that, uh, a little bit tighter. 
uh, more on the ground. Uh, it's on the road with a hostile environment, uh, with a loud crowd in Baltimore and such. And that all went out the window because the scoreboard dictated itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that they could enter into this game thinking the same thing. And in fact, they're on the road. The same things apply. Hostile environment on the road. Um, you know, against uh, against a team that's I don't think they're that good. But, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that they're awful, but I don't think they're that good. You, you know, play it tight and and establish the run, play defense, you know, all, all those things, all those things. But that goes out the window the, the moment somebody returns a kick for a touchdown right at the beginning of the game, you mm-hmm. know, or uh, or the, the defense accidentally lets up a few big plays. And the Jets offense is clearly capable of big plays. I think mm-hmm. they've got a big play quarterback. Um, and they've got some uh, some guys that can be big play uh, receivers, I think, and, and big play running backs. I think that they're capable of big plays. Um, so that can all go out the window. And then and then you do have to pass it. You do have to you know, you do have to play um, play the kind of ball that we did against the Baltimore Ravens. And can Teddy Bridgewater do that? Can he execute that? I actually kind of look at it. I look at what he did in the game. And I know that that interception was horrendous. He actually threw a near interception that was that was worse, in my opinion. But um, but, you know, the interception was that him uh, or was that Mike Gesicki not not understanding that he needs to go hot in that situation? You know, I, I think that um, J.T. O'Sullivan had a really good breakdown of Teddy's performance in the game. It was mainly it was mainly really good. But then on the play in question, you know, where essentially threw the threw the game away. He's pointing out that the linebacker to that side did walk out to the line of scrimmage and get into a blitz mode. And, you know, typically in that situation, the tight end would have, you know, a hot look. And um, and and it looked like Teddy tried to throw that hot look, uh, but Mike Gesicki did not actually look back for the ball. Now, should he have thrown it? Should he have recognized that Mike Gesicki was not looking back for the ball and, and not throwing it? Absolutely. Uh, is it possible that Mike Gesicki did not have a hot on that route? And actually, the uh, the running back where he most was supposed to, you know, he's supposed to uh, to to knife in right behind the blitzing linebacker. You know, maybe he was supposed to be the hot. And Teddy didn't realize that. And, you know, he, maybe it could have been just a hard wire or a wiring thing from previous offenses. Like he's thinking the tight end is, is automatically hot in this situation. But in this offense, it, idiosyncratically different. And actually, it's Raheem Mostert that he needed to, to hit. I don't know what the answer was there, but there was clearly some sort of miscommunication there as far as who should be doing what. And you're hoping that with 10 days of, in, of install of the game plan against the Jets, then maybe they'll have a better grasp of things. The ac- the question that I end up off- asking really is is the opposite because, you know, we have such an extensive history of the con- controversies surrounding quarterback position and Tua Tungvaloa and, and everything um, like that. You know, what happens if Teddy actually plays well? Um, because he did come into that game and that, that deep ball that he threw the Tyreek Hill, which yes, it did, you know, bounce off of, uh, bounce off of some hands and then Tyreek caught it anyway. Um, but that was still a better throw and better execution than an earlier deep ball that Tua had, you know, earlier in the game where he threw it too late and underthrew it and it was picked off deep. And you see that Teddy saw that play from the sidelines and they almost ran the exact same thing. 
And but this time he communicated with Tyreek Hill before the play. He told him, you know, when he when we get this look, this is the hat in Tyreek's word words. When you get this look, this is the hash that I need you to run to, and this is where I need you and such. And he actually threw the ball deeper than uh Tua Tungvaloa did on the previous play. So he so he's shown the ability to like to even improve on some facets of um of the game that uh Tua Tungvaloa was establishing. And the other thing I wonder is those those naked boot or those bootlegs that that are very characteristic of this offense um, of the Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan type of offenses. They have those uh, those boots off of the stretch, the zone stretch looks. Um, and Tua Tungvaloa was never, you know, he's he's not established himself on those plays. They're a staple of this offense, but he's actually not been very good consistently. At, at operating those plays because he can't manage the uh, the backside defensive end. You know, if he, if he stays at home and gets right in his face, um, he can't quite get it to the right receiver. You know, there are various reasons. He's not been good. It's a new offense, and he has to learn that sort of thing. Well, Teddy actually can operate those plays better. And so I wonder if in some ways we're going to actually see some things that Mike McDaniel would like to run, you know, uh, with Teddy Bridgewater at, as the quarterback. Um, and, and, you know, what happens if Teddy plays really well, like what's the, what's the narrative that we're going to be hearing after that? It's, it's not that I'm trying to piss in anybody's cornflakes here, but, um, but you know, that this, this sort of thing can happen. And so, uh, so I, I think that we, you know, I, I'm being paying attention to whether he plays actually particularly well, because I was impressed with, um, with most of what he did in the game when he came in for Tua Tungvaloa. I do think that he will tighten up the miscommunication things now that he's got 10, you know, 10 days of install for the game plan. Um, and I also think that he's going to run some plays uh, that are more characteristic of what Mike McDaniel wants to run. And he may run a few of those better than Tua was. I'm not saying he's going to be the better quarterback. I think Tua is the better quarterback all day, but, um, but it's going to be interesting to see how that, you know, how that plays out. And if he does run those plays particularly well, you could get a better run game out of it. That's where you could see it. You could, you know, you could see it surface as a run game uh, or as a more effective run game. And I think we already saw, you know, kind of some some little little signs of that in the uh, the amount of time that he relieved to a, in the against the Bengals game too. So it's just going to be interesting to see because Miami ultimately has been a great eleven personnel team, three wide receivers. They lead the league in yards per in net yards per attempt on, and it's not even close. Um, you know, net yards per attempt out of eleven personnel, three wide receiver personnel uh, lead the league out of um, out of you know uh, from shotgun from shotgun. You know, this is mm-hmm. supposed to be an under center offense of Mike McKay, mm-hmm. but but the under center offense has been not dismal, but not good. Uh, the shotgun passing offense has been tremendous, and that's that's to a tongue of Aloha. It's going to be different under Teddy Bridgewater. There's going to be different strengths at play, and it might look maybe even a little bit more like Mike McDaniel intends, and that's what I think ultimately. All right, and with that, I guess we could close it here, and and I'll go first. The last time that Teddy Bridgewater found himself in this situation was please don't say again that he that he the last time he started (laughs) had a concussion and got knocked out again. (laughs) No, I thought about this situation. He was a starter the entire season with the with the Broncos. He was a starter before that with the with the Panthers. The last time he was a backup quarterback was with the New Orleans Saints, a very good roster, very similar to this. Uh, Drew Brees got hurt, 
in September. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in against the Rams to relieve an injured Drew Brees. He completed 17 of 30 for 165. They lost the game 27 to 9. Then the very next game, they he started against the Seahawks, had a very good game, had a couple of touchdowns and a 112 passer rating. I think he does that again. I think we get New Orleans Teddy. I think he plays really efficiently. Couple of touchdowns, high passer rating. They play efficiently. They don't necessarily set the world on fire. They win a snoozer. Let's call it 23 to 10. Defense plays well. Teddy is efficient. Your thoughts, Simon? What happens on Sunday? Uh, I think they win. I think it will be much closer. I think the Jets are a good team. I think they're an emerging team. I think they're young players on both sides of the ball. I think the offensive line being an issue for the Jets could be a plus for us. Um, I think the Dolphins probably win. I think Chris's point about Teddy is really interesting. Uh, not Teddy, sorry, is really interesting about the the coaches knowing each other so well. And actually, I think Teddy Bridgewater in a way might play in Miami's favor because I don't think we'll run exactly the same offense that we would have run if Tua was there. And therefore, there'll be some wrinkles in there that maybe Salah and, and Jeff Albrick aren't expecting because of the fact there's a backup quarterback in. So I think the Dolphins will win 17 14. All right, Chris, what happens? It's it's hard for me to trust this defense on the road, frankly, uh, after what happened in Baltimore. Um, and, you know, and, and the defense, they still had a hard time getting off the field in a lot of situations against the Bengals, and, and they ended up allowing 27 points. But um, it's hard for me to trust them on the road. So if the Dolphins are going to win this, I think they need to put up points on offense. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and say that this is going to be like a, a, a 28 28 to 24 type of shootout. Um, maybe maybe that's not quite a shootout. Like Detroit are having some shootouts, but um, but I, I do think that there's going to be some points scored in this game. All right, and I, I I got faith in in Teddy Bridgewater. I think he pulls it off. I think he plays well in this game. I think it's set up for him. Uh, we shall see how that works. The next time we talk to you, we will have results and we will talk about that game. We will recap Dolphins Jets. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.